0: Hello and welcome to Boxcutters episode 185. It's where the monkeys start. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. <sighs> 185, you know what? Packed show. Absolutely packed. Not one, but two guests. Yes, two guests. Uh, we've got uh, Peter Lane coming in uh, to talk about Channel Thirty One, and uh, he he was involved. He was chairman at Channel Thirty One up until November last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, Channel Thirty One Melbourne. He's not there anymore, uh, and uh, and he's still working with community broadcasters. Generally, he's going to talk to us about all the. Uh, community stuff that's uh, been happening in the papers since uh, the last budget and uh, and what can be done about it, hopefully. Hopefully he'll have an answer and uh, and, and we'll say, yes, hooray. And at the end of it, we'll all rejoice because uh, community <laughs> television
1: will be... <laughs> will be saved. Saved. Once we send uh, this episode of Box Cutters to Conroy, uh, Wayne Swan and Kevin Wright... Their minds will be changed. They're going to have their own little digital TV station.
2: But, Josh, Kanael, did you say two guests
0: i did i did say two guests i did the other one uh, is sue taylor who's a producer of a show called three acts of murder which is going to be on uh abc one next sunday night uh she's going to talk to us a- about that it's a telly movie, mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty exciting uh we've got one thing if, you, if you're going to watch one thing uh john you're going to tell us about TV that
2: kills. TV that kills, yes. As we said last week, we got a few letters back in saying, Why didn't you talk about the running man? So, your wish, true. The answer to last week's quiz some pork. As always,
0: though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <coughs> John, yes, you are
2: the box cutter's uh, voice of death. Voice of death. I have become the voice of death now. Obviously, no, he kills them, but I have to then talk about it. I kill them. He announces for some reason. I announces it. I announce it afterwards. Now, uh, obviously, this week, huge story: David Carradine dead. um, Somehow, also depressing and tawdry. I think that's all we need to say. David David Carradine from Kung Fu. I I have to say,
0: uh, while I have thought about Kill
2: Bill recently. You didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. You cannot be blamed. No. Um, but I would also uh, like to mention... Oh, sorry, Nicole.
1: Interesting that uh, initial reports came out saying suicide, suicide... And uh, eh, not, a little bit jumping so the gun, not, not yeah. interesting enough.
0: But D- David Carradine, uh, Kung Fu, hugely influential uh, TV series, and uh,
2: and uh, yeah. But that, that also was. this week we lost an I eyebrows. I didn't actually write down what date, so I do apologise. But this week, uh, Danny LaRue died. Now um, you may uh, not first remember, of June. First of June, you may not remember Danny LaRue if you're if you're under the age of you know eighty. But. Um, <laughs> Danny LaRue was he, was, he was often described a female impersonator. You might call him a drag queen. He himself preferred to call himself a comic in a frock. Um, in the 70s, a huge name in variety. He had his own TV shows. Um, he had an amazing career. He was um, painted by Dame. He was one of the highest paid entertainers in the 60s. Uh, he did 53 panto roles over the course of his career He was the first man to play a female role in a major musical When he took the part of uh, Dolly in Hello Dolly ah, Well, um, you know, there's not much difference between
0: him and Carol Channing
2: No, uh, he did TV shows including The Good Old Days and Tonight with Danny LaRue He was an OBE in 2002 That's that thing from The Goodies uh, It is! Was. Tim Rook Taylor still doesn't have one He performed more than 30 times at Buckingham Palace uh, And Bob Hope mm-hmm. once described him as the most go- glamorous woman in the world So, Danny LaRue, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be missed yeah, that's uh that's uh, that's how old was uh how old was he? He was 81. Okay. And uh died from cancer. Right. Badly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, painful in, apparently. Nasty. In a cupboard in Thailand? Not in a cupboard in Thailand. So so, so still a bit more glamour there for Danny Liber. Yeah, that's
0: that's why it didn't get the uh didn't get the headlines. No. Uh in France. This is uh this is this is really interesting. Uh actually yeah, this is uh in Paris, a Paris court last Wednesday ruled that uh, people who appeared in a reality television show were actually working so they are workers
2: well, they why, should, why was this an issue what what,
0: what because led to this? they will get paid as on-screen talent was someone trying to not pay Reality, reality TV. Reality TV uh, contestants traditionally do not get paid. No. they Get out of town, Josh Camel. They are in a competition, and if they win the competition, they
2: win. But they're doing it for weeks. I Sh- would have thought they'd still got an on-screen... No, it's, it's a I competition. I was on Star Search once, they still paid me money. Really? And that was Star Search. <laughs> <laughs> are you Cameron Daddo? No, I, I lost to Gary Eck... Oh No I I did Really? I I, I came second to Gary Eck Oh my That's a traumatic story I haven't
1: told you John Richards There's so much that We have no idea about you Still
0: The ruling came uh, In uh, a case 2003 participants So uh, the participants From the 2003 Series Of L'Ile de la Temptation Which means? Temptation Island (laughs)
2: Uh, they are more glamorous in the French. Uh,
0: they, I know, I know. Still, sluts and bogans, Uh involved uh, y- young couples. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Uh, that the demands made of couples by the production company made this a working relationship, and therefore, even though the, the participants signed documents saying that they were taking part for personal rather than <laughs> professional reasons they were still in a professional relationship and therefore should get paid as such.
1: And I read a, a quote along the lines of uh, to to tempt a member of the opposite sex takes a lot of attention and focus and work. And so it is actually working, and so they should be paid as workers. Yes. <laughs> it was... And uh,
0: it, it's it's interesting, though, because that obviously means that for, for France reality television suddenly is not as cheap an option as it once was, Uh, which also means that uh, are other European countries going to follow suit? If other European countries follow suit, will Endemol stop producing uh, (laughs) reality television? If Endemol stop producing reality television, will the rest of the world stop producing reality television because they'll have no one else to think up ideas for them? Most
2: European TV stations just show dubbed versions of overseas content, which is obviously cheaper than making a reality game show in your own country is it you've you've got to pay the voice actors yeah but they can come in and just do like four episodes in a day can't they
0: sure they could but you could really <laughs> but you can get 20 people exploit them for eight weeks
1: pay them nothing huh yeah, camera crew though. But yeah, it is though, tempting. I might it's try tempting. myself. And for a bit of an insider's perspective, uh, Lefty Tim actually wrote an article on the new Matilda website. I believe it was. Uh, talking He's just making <coughs> names up now. <man. laughs> no, no, you know Lefty Tim from Big Brother. Uh, two, oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, an article about uh, the participants in Let It To Lady Australian style. Um, none of them were given. Uh, uh, any payments at all um, and apparently on Big Brother they get some sort of stipend so that they can cover their, their rent for example um, while they're uh, in the house on Let It to Lady uh, at least two of the contestants on there had to move back home so they could participate in the show um, and uh, the, there was nothing at all uh, for them and, and they, were, they were quite badly exploited uh, new Matilda, check out Lefty tin uh, Again, you, you, you're
0: going to be a contestant in a competition. Yeah, but uh, you know, d- okay. If, if a radio station, if a radio station has a competition for the people who can live on a platform or on a billboard the longest, mm. does the radio should the radio station pay their rent at the same time? If they're on that billboard for sixty days, should the radio station have paid their rent
1: for, uh, for two months? Dependently And it's interesting that Big Brother did give them. Uh, the, the, that stipend so that they could continue to pay their, their bills outside of the house and then also in the early seasons at least kind of had a car for people that were so I would have assumed you had to do that, that myself sort
2: of because if you're asking people to come and, and spend yeah. you know, two months living in your house you know, in your set with cameras on surely they're going to have to pay rent somehow just to get the contestants you're not going to be able to get them if they're going to say well actually I need to keep my job in the house Really, the- really because if you won't do it I'll go to the next person Right. If I mean,
0: it's these people want to be on television, God, and that's just depressing news this week,
2: isn't it? it really it's all is. tawdry and sad. It
0: really is. Anyway, so that's I, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn because I, I I rejoice at the possibility that we will have less uh, reality or extreme game shows, uh, but uh, I'm uh, also concerned that uh, uh, I don't know
1: exploitation blah 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 you're concerned that uh, reality tv might be in trouble Uh, really (laughs) really i I can't wait to dance up and down on the grave of reality tv personally um i I like a, a quality tv production and reality tvs none of that uh sbs's online audio and video programming uh will hopefully be free for uh Internet users by the end of the year. Uh, SBS's online technical director Matt Costain is working with a group of internet providers uh, towards making their content available without consuming download allowances. Uh, for so,
0: regular... so what the ABC already have?
1: Um, well, that's that's not On... across the board with Australian ISPs. That's with a couple of ISPs. Uh, so, it's, it's with a number of ISPs, and it's uh, and it's increasing. Yeah. Uh,
0: so so essentially, SBS are trying to do what ABC already did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's uh, hi. <laughs> that's, I just I, I just don't think that that's yeah. you know SBS yet again. Have Channel Seven done?
1: Channel Nine done? At ten in negotiations? I don't think so. Yeah, but they 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 don't care. <laughs> so SBS cares. <laughs> ah. Ah. Oh, that's a. That's a good news and, item. And, and he would be where you would say, who are you and what have you done with Brett?
0: Uh, no. Having,
1: having a feel-good story about SBS.
0: No, I would say, Brett Cropley, you're fired, Australian style. Oh. Yes. Well, I have to say, you're fired, Australia. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, yes, uh, Mark Burris, who is the, uh, the, the man who, who started some kind of loan Wizard? company or, or other. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so a
1: non-bank uh, mortgage Wizard company Wizard
0: were the one who had that horrible puppet of a mortgage uh that uh that it looked like a
1: tumor and uh, you're not thinking of the ANZ mortgage I that believe was it was actually I believe it was actually Wizard like the the kind of blobby thing Yeah no I that was definitely ANZ hmm. Send you <laughs> a- ANZ definitely had a blobby thing called a mortgage anyway that uh was following people around Mark Boris is
0: going to be the boss on the upcoming Australian
2: series. They should have got that guy from Aussie home lines. He would have been great. You're fine. That would be great every week. I, we <laughs> I think they should have gotten that sheep from rams. <gasps> oh, would it be brilliant? The sheep from rams. You're fine.
1: <laughs> no, actually, he should, he should come in at the end once uh, Mark Boris uh, fires somebody and says, we'll save you. Aussie homelands, come with us. <laughs> oh, that's so what they should do. Anyway, yes. go on. Thanks for your story.
0: Uh, Fremantle Media are going to be producing the series of The Apprentice. I finally got around to saying the name of the show, uh, with Mark Burris as the lead. Uh, he said, uh, Burris says that he doesn't care if contestants are young, old, male or female, university educated or not.
2: As long as they're obnoxious wankers like on all the other series.
0: Uh, that's Well, he calls that a matrix of things, not one particular thing.
2: A matrix of things. A matrix of things.
0: <laughs> What got me interested is people's personalities and their characters and how they try to sell themselves.
2: Obnoxious wankers. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I have not seen uh, any information about w- whether or not Fremantle have a... Uh, a oh, no, a ch- Channel 9. Channel 9 will be, uh, will be
1: uh, showing it. Yes, the home of uh, all great Australian uh, translations of foreign reality shows <laughs> such as uh, Survivor Australia. Well, yeah, didn't Channel Seven? What not to wear, or was that Nine? And they and the
2: mall? Because I remember that, that Australian What Not to Wear sort of missing the whole point. It didn't. Yeah.
0: It, it actually didn't.
1: Did it air at all? What not it to did, wear? It did. Or, or yeah, was yeah. it uh, Queer Eye? No, no. What not to wear? Because Queer
2: Eye was Queer Eye was ten though.
1: Was it, right? yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's
0: uh, that's something to either look forward to or not. They're going to be. Uh, well, it's going to be horrible. They're and going to be looking for contestants uh, in in the uh, coming month, I and, believe.
1: And the prize is uh, a senior position at Boris's financial services firm, Yellow Brick Road. They want accountants. Like they're going yeah. to have accountants. Yeah, on- but obnoxious
2: wanker accountants.
1: <laughs> I actually yeah, love the apprentice. Exactly. I play the apprentice. It doesn't fit together, watchable. does it? I, like like I, I, Donald, I actually, Donald actually Trump has say, a has a diversified company. Like they do a lot of stuff. They do construction and and all of that sort of stuff. The whole all of the tasks uh, for the apprentice for a financial services company doesn't really work.
0: I have to say that uh, I, I've been watching the Celebrity Apprentice season two on uh, on Fox eight at the moment or Arena. or one of them, yes. Uh, and uh, and it it is. Probably the most
2: entertaining series of The Apprentice. I I've actually seen. really like the English one with Sir Alan Sugar because he comes across like a baddie from like a Mockney gangster he, movie. He does. If he had a little twirly moustache. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> he should. Could, perfect. He should if call he me be... like little Muppets.
0: Yeah, he, should. <laughs> he should. He should. Brett <laughs> <laughs> Cropley. <should>. Uh no. <laughs>
1: <Really>? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Really? yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Definitely you. C definitely word. You. R word. Uh, a sick kid stunt has. Uh, resulted in the chaser being benched, sidelined, sin-binned, <sighs> penalised, suspended for two weeks after outrage from the Australian populace as a whole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they all got together.
1: Uh, Mark Scott's made the decision to suspend uh, The Chaser screening on Wednesday nights Uh, following the controversy over their Make a Realistic Wish Foundation sketch that went to air on the show on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. Okay, people watch The Chaser because they... Push the boundaries mm. and because there's always the chance that they are going to go too far mm. there
1: is always the there's chance as, that uh, your friend's song about uh don bradman being a prick but everybody saying it was really nice yeah he died. yeah, yeah. Uh, andrew hansen who's who's not my friend
0: in fact I, I find him quite talentless but uh they do they do go right that, that far mm. and uh there are people who are going to be offended by things that they do, and people watch them largely out of a curiosity of, oh, what will those chaser boys get up to next? So,
2: where are you going with this, Josh? So, the point is what, though? That it was offensive? It wasn't offensive? Or that it was offensive, but you should expect it to be offensive? Yeah, it, it was
0: offensive, but what does it matter? That's what people want. People want the, the monkey to dance, <laughs> Right. They want to watch the dancing monkey, they want the monkey to dance. Now, when the monkey starts dancing and throwing shit at them, well, that should be expected.
2: Surely the biggest problem here, though, is the sketch was just not actually funny.
0: Well...
1: That's a very subjective call.
2: If it was funny, I'd, I'd defend it, you know, but things like it just wasn't funny. It just wasn't a joke worth
1: it was, telling. It was, it it was, was a, a
2: soft target. It was a badly
0: executed joke. I can, I can understand. If, if I just said, make a realistic wish foundation to you... You can see how there would be oh, a yeah, joke yeah, yeah, yeah. in that, right? Yeah, there is a joke there is, in that. There is, there is a joke in that, but it was really badly but they executed. weirdly
2: didn't do the joke in it. I mean,
0: when, when I've spoken to people about this during the week, they have said, oh, but come on, a stick? Like the, the things that people yeah, are getting the, the angry about.
2: Kind of, I, I had the same thing. I mean, uh, that was the joke about Zach Efron. There, surely. There, <laughs> there are. there are. I mean, the comparison thing's going around. Um, I, I don't think anyone ripped this joke off from anyone. I think the joke's really obvious. But there, there is a thing going around. That, so there was a sketch from The Mansion yep, that uh, Dan it. Illick yep. directed. Uh, there's a sketch from The Onion. And, and people have put the, the and three And The of Onion them
1: up. was quite different.
2: The Onion was, was quite different. But people put the three of them up. So online you can have a look at them. And the thing is, the, the, the mansion one, the Dan Illick one, actually kind of funny. You know, I didn't think it was a brilliant sketch, but the joke is that instead of getting the trip to Disneyland with, with um, uh, who's the gay swimmer? Um, Ian Thorpe. Ian Thorpe. Oh, uh, wait a minute, no. no He's not gay. No, I'm thinking of someone else. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Anyway, instead of the trip to Disneyland with Ian Thorpe, um, the heterosexual swimmer, they... they yeah, you know, they offer instead a, a day trip to Sovereign Hill with Haley Lewis. So the joke there yeah, is that's, that's lowering funny. expectation. That's funny, but just going, yeah, you wanted that. here's a stick. There's, there's no actual joke. There no. is no joke. And that's and that's what people. I think that's what people were really offended by. It was <sighs> it was a a, a, a
0: situation that uh, dealt with a very sensitive topic, but also didn't really have any big laughs. I
1: suspect that what people really got upset about was they're going to die anyway.
0: Which was actually
1: the only line that actually
2: seemed to have any kind of gang
1: in it. Was uh, from what I've been reading, and I've, I've read a lot, and it's really tedious. Um, that has always been what people are talking about. But it's it's not what people who, if you go and
0: speak to people in the in the street, what they're angry about is a pencil case. They're not necessarily angry about they're going to die anyway. Like they, I think they want to be outraged without actually understanding why they're outraged. Like it just it wasn't a particularly funny sketch, but uh, to to have Neil Mitchell on Three AW in Melbourne try to get the, uh, the the head of the Starlight Foundation to uh, to admit that the chaser was actually making fun of them. Uh, and she refused to admit that because she didn't think it was true. But Neil Mitchell, the voice of the people, was trying to make that the
2: case. The, it's not the case. But this is the weird thing, though. You? People being outraged, but then yeah. you've also got the Chaser boys deliberately trying to uh, annoy people. So it's kind of like, well, I, I don't really care about either well, side this, of the story. It. It's you, like you poke the tiger
0: at some stage it's going to bite you and then the monkey will throw its shit at you. This is the... (laughs) So what are you trying to say here, Josh? What's
2: your end? What's your conclusion?
0: My conclusion is people shouldn't be that outraged because they expect it. Like, they should have expected it. One. That's one A. Two B. (laughs) uh, The ABC co-produces The Chaser now. It used to be Zapruder's other films uh, and now it's The Chaser with the ABC. The ABC should be well aware of what's going to air uh, and the hypocrisy of just uh, this backtracking and, uh, and and just saying, oh, well, you know, we weren't aware of it. It's, it's bullshit. No, that is mm. odd. Mm. I'm, I'm calling bullshit on the whole thing. That's my point, John. Right. I'm yeah. calling bullshit on the whole thing.
1: I'm also really concerned that uh, Mark Scott has said that uh, taking them off the air for the two weeks... Uh, It gives the ABC an opportunity to complete a review of editorial approval processes and gives the boys a a chance to regroup. Um, Does this mean that everything that goes to where that may be a little bit edgy on ABC is going to have to get approval from some committee on, or that might offend somebody, that might offend somebody? But but in theory that has to be done anyway. It can can so easily lead to, to something that is just going to... Completely snuff out any creativity, originality uh, in this country, and isn't good for for Australian
0: talent. There's there's no point having a dragon that doesn't breathe fire when you poke it with a stick <laughs> while a monkey is throwing shit at you. <laughs> uh,
2: it's I always thought that was a cliche, but you're right. It's quite true. It's, isn't it's it? true. Yeah, it's it's true,
0: John. Have
2: you got a shovel to get me out of this hole, Susan Boyle? I'm just calling her a shovel. <laughs> no, just I, I've got a whole page of notes here, but really, all I have to tell you, Susan Boyle went on the uh, the final. Oh, she. She's the lady, ugly lady who sang. People went, "Oh my god, someone who's not pretty can sing." Um, Britain's Got Talent, apparently. Um, she went and a on, virgin she went on the, uh, no, apparently that 's not true. she says she made that up. Um, she went on the finale, she sang the same song, she was beaten by urban dance troupe diversity. she apparently had a bit of a breakdown, admitted to the priory she 's out now it 's all good. Uh, British Prime Minister wish her well said I hope Susan Boyle' is okay because she 's a really really nice person <laughs> it 's a great story isn't it all around I mean, N- nice person upset <laughs> <laughs> yes yes, someone a bit ill better now. She was in the Priory though, which is kind of cool because that's where all the celebrities go. So, you know, she must be thrilled going, look, I'm famous, I get to go to the Priory now.
1: (laughs) Uh, Now, kind of related to that, Sir Michael Parkinson has uh, uh, announced that Australia is gripped by a virus A celebrity virus. Not Ross River virus. Infecting a generation of people who can't see the difference between news and entertainment, uh, especially when it comes to uh, being obsessed by celebrities, uh, particularly uh, uh, your uh, Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Um, But hang on, Pargy's saying we've got... He's saying that we've got it, As yes. opposed to the UK, yeah. what, who don't,
2: who, who, haven't, who have a Prime Minister. Look, I'm waving a bit of paper now. Their Prime Minister actually talked about this. Yeah. Can you imagine Kevin what? taking time out to say, oh, I hope the guy from Big
1: Brother. Well, he took the time out to talk about the chaser, didn't he? Yeah, but that's because it's outrage. That's different. Oh. Outrage, outrage, ah, outrage. Not see, concerned. Maybe our outrage. prime minister has a has a, a pro- has some of the virus as well. That's why he's been sneezing and coughing when he, during his press conferences because he's got the celebrity virus as well. He can't tell the difference between reality and and real life. Either.
2: But where did Parky say this? Where did Parky? I mean, I know just, he's, just, he's he's touring. But why would he even just bother? Just at He wandering around chatty.
1: Why would he bother? I'm just wondering why. It was it was uh, in. Uh, on news.com.au's site. Mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just wondering why,
2: why Parkinson's
1: making comments about
2: Australia's you know, media. It seems an odd thing for him to do.
1: Um, I guess just because he's got a show to promote. He has been uh, spending, and, and p- perhaps he's uh, commenting about Australia because he does spend around about uh, three months of each year living here. Um, he, is, is that how he calls it? Does he say living? He's He slammed... Thank you, uh, James Lehando. He slammed TV programmers in his second home for showing what he describes as akin to bearded ladies and drooling loonies just for ratings. Mm-hmm. So, so I think he's also having a go at... That's that uh, show, the, Britain's the, Got Bearded Ladies. The <laughs> producers of uh, Australian TV here as well. Um, he was dis- disappointed... The celebrity obsession of Britain had become a wider fad, so uh, I guess he's saying that we caught it from Britain. Look, I, I've got uh, more argumentative stances. Maybe he was the carrier. <laughs> I,
0: I've got more argumentative stances to uh, to take on later on in the show. So yep. uh, if we could just move it along, yep.
2: John. Lastly, in the news. Oh, this is an interesting story from uh, Syracuse, New York, uh, from the Post Standard. Um, police were called in to uh, cordon off Clinton Square in Syracuse and bomb disposal called because a uh, passerby reported a suspicious box to police. Um, It appeared to be a a Sex and the City board game in a metal tin and bomb squad had to come out to work out that it was in fact a Sex and the City game in a metal tin. Um,
0: There was something
1: about bad purple, purple well, flies or something that's coming that, out of it.
0: I, it. Thought, I thought you were going to say, suspicious box. Suspicious, <laughs> suspicious box.
2: Kim Hey, hey. hey. No, This is actually, this is the sentence which is beautiful from this story. The box is on the step of the fountain side of the monument. The wind blew fluorescent pink game cards into the square's fountain where they sank. <laughs> <laughs> So so it was an open box. No, I I think at at one point the police had to open it to determine. (laughs) It's got an update in this story as well, um, which says... uh, It was the game. Basically, yeah. It says uh, police reopened Clinton Square at around 4pm and determined the box did, in fact, contain game pieces from the Sex and the City trivia game. (laughs) 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 Two hours. It was closed for two hours. Later on on that day, (laughs)
1: later on that day, Ludo exploded <laughs> on the Lower East Side. <laughs> when I saw that headline, I, I had figured, and and the headline did mention the Sex and the City game, I'd figured there must have been some sort of vibrator as one of the playing pieces in the Sex and the City game. But no, it was just, it was team. just yeah, like, like it, a team. It was actually just, A man was vibrating, with,
2: No, maybe somebody would park, be a little bit suspicious. Because a man left for the park and, and basically did a runner and people tried to chase him going, wait, you've left a suspicious <laughs> Sex and the City board game.
1: <laughs> and surely nobody would just Leave it behind on purpose. That's and what eBay's for.
2: And this and this
0: and this poor guy has gone. Oh, I meant to return that on Boxing Day, and now it's too late. <laughs> and that is the box cutters' news.
3: Hi, I'm Josie Pirelli
0: from Chart Busting Eighties, and you're listening to the guys on Box Cutters. We're joined in the Box Cutters studios by Peter Lane, who's the former chairman of the board at Channel 31 Melbourne, and uh, and he's coming to talk to us about community television and how it's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that right? Is that right, Peter? Because we've, we've had uh, reports from the... Now, now, I have to say, you're, you're not affiliated with Channel 31 as a whole anymore. No, um, I no longer
4: hold any position on 31, and, and the screwed comment was yours. Yes, yes.
0: But th- it, it comes from reading, uh, r- reading articles in the last few weeks, essentially since the budget, that uh, Channel 31, no provisions were made in this budget for community television to be included in the digital spectrum, Uh, yet uh, money has gone to the likes of Channel 9 uh, and regional uh, regional commercial broadcasters. Uh, But, uh, you know, the Channel 31s of Australia uh, are not being, uh, being supported, even though they are essentially of the people for the people.
4: Look, that's true in this budget, and of course you can point to the dire economic circumstances, etc. Hell, we've forgotten about climate change, let alone community television in this budget. Um, Not completely, of course. But uh, I think there's a bit of a um, mistake to concentrate on the money. In fact, what we haven't got is spectrum. We haven't got a timeline and we haven't got any guarantee of how that spectrum is going to be delivered. So we have none of the essential components that you need to actually plan ahead, and we haven't had since 19... What are we now? 19... 2009? We're, we're
0: 2009.
4: So we're talking like 1998. Uh, no clear pathway, no amount of spectrum, no identified spectrum... And no clear arrangement about who's going to uh, own the multiplexes, you know, because within digital you have a number of frequencies going out from the one multiplexer, how that's going to be operated, nothing at all. So it's a vacuum, really.
2: Uh, I was listening to a few interviews that you gave um, actually before the election earlier today. I was listening to a couple online in which you were basically saying much the same things that you've come in to say today. Yeah. You know, At that, that point, you were saying hopefully when you know, a Labor government comes in, they'll show a bit more interest. I mean, what, what is the, the future of Channel 31 then? Because it feels a bit like this same story has been going on for, for years.
4: Yeah, look, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it uh, was a bit disturbing under the past government when they, when they put out their big plan for digital a few years back And community television wasn't included in terrestrial broadcasters, it was a separate page in the document somewhere near the back like the little specialist units. That was a worry. Um, However that difference has occurred over the last 12-15 years where where previously both community radio and television had parity in spectrum access terms like as much air uh, spectrum as commercials to do a similar job. What you're seeing with radio is that they are getting a reduced amount of spectrum compared to commercials and uh, and the ABC and SBS. And what you're seeing with television is where the commercial stations, ABC, SBS, get, get uh, a, a tranche of spectrum. Is that the way you pronounce that word? Tranche? tranche? I don't no. know, that French thing. A chunk. <laughs> a chunk of spectrum. Yeah. Um, with which they can do four or five channels, as long as it's not too high, high def on one. Um, uh, but uh, community television's being promised maybe somehow one standard definition channel
2: what is I mean, what is the future as it currently stands i mean what mm. because channel 31 just seems to be going over and over saying the same things about we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting what happens if nothing happens because surely you guys yeah, will just yeah. lose lose the signal look
4: it, after the announcement in the budget and responses from the sector uh, conway's office put out a, another press release saying we are committed to community television and we are committed that you will go digital and it will be in good time before the switch off of analogue, which of that's course a, that's, is 2013.
0: Yeah. S- Senator Conroy, the Min- yeah. Minister for Communications.
4: Now, to my uh, – uh, I'm, I'm no longer fully aware of the intimate details, but to me that seems to be a bit of a step backwards. Previously they were saying we'll get you on air as soon as possible. Now it's – well before 2013, well how long is well before, is that a year, two years, you know, six and, months? And
1: there's a lot of advertising going on at the moment about getting all of the population onto digital, yeah. and as, as people let go of their analogue receivers, then mm. they'll stop being able to pick up Channel 31.
4: Well I reckon 47% um, at the moment, now you've got to be realistic about that, I reckon at least half of those people have got the second set syndrome happening, which is mucking up the Oztams and everything, because of course, if you have two TVs and you can still receive analogue reception, well you're not going to throw it away, you put it in the den, the bedroom, Mm -hmm. the kids' room, so that now people are watching two and three different sets of signals of broadcast television, and someone else is there on the net in another room, you know. Look, I think that that Conroy's office has sincere good sentiment. I think that many of the minister's offices have sincere good sentiment towards community television, but they just aren't seeing it as important enough. I don't think they understand... I don't think we've demonstrated, mind you the value to the community that community television already delivers. If you look at um, productivity, we need to show to them the way we're delivering those health messages, the arts information, broadening people's minds, educating people, allowing people's communities to grow stronger through being able to talk within themselves and show themselves to other communities. I don't think we've actually proven the argument for the money, but I think uh, making the spectrum available... Even without the money, is something that they could move to quite quickly, and I, I believe that in Melbourne there's a bit of sympathy for that argument. When I was there, and I, it may well still be the same. When I was uh, last year, when I was still chairing 31, we believed that we could raise the money to run a standalone digital station here in Melbourne ourselves. Mm-hmm. Give us a year or so, we'll get the money.
2: So it is just the spectrum's not available. Is that right?
4: It's it's not just that. Of course, it would be a hard call, especially at the moment, but you know we 've got sixteen different language groups on channel thirty one melbourne we 've got a, these people uh, we 've got thirty full member groups. These people have been broadcasting for over ten years they 're well entrenched within their communities most of those groups really do represent their communities have lots of networking with other uh, community organizations newspapers um, not for profit organizations uh, development organizations etc as we saw when we nearly went broke uh, you know ten years or so ago. Those people come to the rescue, and I think that uh, the 31, along with the public, with philanthropics and perhaps some government funding, I think 31 Melbourne have a pretty good chance of setting up the whole thing stand-alone. It's actually the thing that makes us strong. Yeah, sure, you have some other programs that might be what we call independent that aren't necessarily community groups, some of the fishing shows and that, but they're reaching to an audience that is not met met by anybody else and that's Mm -hmm. our primary purpose and so are the language shows so are the gay shows so are the sports shows for the non-mainstream sports so it's that very integration with the community meeting community needs that makes us strong and if you look at the ratings channel 31 melbourne has held its audience while up to 47 percent of people have gone digital let's say 30 percent of them or 25 percent of them don't have analog anymore we've held the same audience so we've got If you look at the potential audience, we've actually increased from a diminishing potential audience, we've got a higher percentage of it. So we've gained audience of the people who can actually receive the station. Show me a commercial television station that's done that in the last two years. And
0: uh, surely, though, that number would go up if, say, uh, the channels 31 were rebroadcast through Foxtel, uh, because then you would get all the... The, the 20% of cable households as well. well.
2: 31 did go through OptusNet. I it did. some
0: years back. I, I don't know
2: it if you did go through Optus at that time. Um, no, you, oh, not really.
1: Optus had a uh, oh, community <laughs> access. Community access thing channel. That yeah, they had their own
4: yeah. thing. I think they still have it, don't they? What's it called? Um, Aurora? Aurora, yeah. I'm not but sure anybody's got it. It's not actually community thing. controlled, and there are fees and things involved. It's quite a different model. And also, it's, it's national. Some of Some of the broadcasters have gone on both. Uh, the majority of broadcasters in Melbourne chose to stay with Melbourne because we already have a potential audience of four million people and one million a month. So, at that time, I think Optus was getting around a million uh, a two a month, but that doesn't mean you'd have a million watching the community
0: television show. But 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 that is uh, you know p- people who have uh, who have a cable box in yep. their house yep. don't get access to mm-hmm. uh, to channel thirty one why are you not as angry about that as you are about Can you hear the thing?
4: sound of my fingers rubbing together? That represents money. We would have had to pay a very substantial amount of money to Optus to be rebroadcast. Right. It was a totally unreasonable amount of money, something similar to our turnover at the time. Right.
1: Okay. And Foxtel <laughs> remains the same as that. Yeah, yeah. Fo- it hasn't been looked into. Yeah, Foxtel are also... uh,
4: I I can't comment... Well, I'm talking over a year ago, so I can't comment on the current scenario. And there have been changes then. It would seem to me, if I was running Foxtel, that to have another free channel with full programming that served niche communities very nicely, give people a program guide and they can tune in for nothing, would increase their audience.
0: That's that's what I would think as well. But I I would also think that if... uh if if there is a broadcasting medium and uh and broadcasting yeah. is licensed yeah. and is still uh you know semi regulated by the government uh then shouldn't Foxtel also be put into a position where okay well everyone has to pull together to help community television uh survive because that's where the talent is coming from that's where uh, the, the training is happening and that's, that's where the future of, of television will start. Why isn't that just a very basic argument that is uh, th- that, that should be able to convince all of the networks and the cable operators?
4: Well, it's funny you should speak about the networks. Um, some time ago, uh, uh, there was a lot of publicity about... Um you know, there's the anti-siphoning restrictions and so that the football games that weren't that interesting to people in Brisbane or Adelaide weren't going to be broadcast in Brisbane or Adelaide. Mm-hmm. That uh, couldn't happen, so they had to try and find someone to broadcast them and Foxtel was saying no, I believe, at the time. Uh,
0: not for uh, um, uh, Optus. Um, oh, that was, yeah, Optus and C7. and yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, so there was a lot of publicity about the possibility of community television carrying it. I don't know if that, that was ever really possible. Or it was just sort of an ambit thing happening in there to, to mention us. But, but a certain chairperson of, uh, is it Channel 9? Eddie, what's his name? That, that, that bloke. That bloke, yeah. yeah. He uh, uh, came out quite vitriolically in the paper, slamming community television. And I just sort of went, hang on, why is he so vitriolic? What have we ever done to you? And then I realised that... Uh, Commercial broadcasters cannot in any way be seen to take community television seriously. If they were, they'd be admitting that, gee, maybe they just take a few viewers away from us. Now, it's not our job to compete with commercial broadcasters, but it is their job to compete. And if they see us as actually taking viewers away, in a similar way to if they saw, I don't know, 3 R taking viewers away, they might get a little savage about it
0: because that's their bottom line. Yeah, but that just sounds like bullshit to me, Peter, because they got together to do Freeview. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kind of recognizing that they all take viewers from each other. Uh, why wouldn't thirty one be included as as part of that as well? I mean, it's, they mm-hmm. they are working together actually, for some
2: kind of common uh goal. It's curious you mentioned the Triple R thing because, mm-hmm. of course, in Melbourne radio, it's it's well it's a well you know respected idea now that you steal talent from Triple R. It's kind of you know it, I think everyone in radio admits that the Triple R is a great place to. To develop, you know, talent, and then, and uh, yeah, and people are quite happy to talk about it as well. So it's funny that, that TV seems a little bit more circumspect oh. about saying, "Well, yeah, Hamish and Andy on and Rove, and everyone came from Channel 31.
1: There yeah. is still a lot of uh, opposition from commercial radio and, and angst about Triple R stealing ears rather than eyeballs, <laughs> um, and Triple and R's had a similar going digital issues over that as well. But but this is the thing. I mean, we, we look at.
0: Uh, we look at commercial television, we look at commercial radio. Uh, the the amount of talent that has come mm. out of uh, of that has actually made these
1: networks a lot of money. I'm not sure there's, oh, okay. there, there are any executives at the networks or at com- uh, com- uh, commercial radio stations now um, that have actually been around while they've taken talent from community TV or community radio. Like, they would have had a lot of turnover... Um, maybe, but, maybe but they've it, just forgotten. I, but it
4: just I think it's it's pretty clear that uh, community television has become the key training ground for for commercial and uh, especially ABC and SBS. But it's also been true of community radio for a very long time. If, if, if mm. there's been some, some, it's very hard to do research because of, of the nature of the fields and, the, and and the ABS statistics are not particularly informative. But if you look at some of the research that has been done. Uh, Many people who work in in television have had experience in community radio, in commercial or or government television, and many people who work in commercial or government uh, radio and television have had experience in community television and community television and radio. In fact, you're looking at people now, entrants um, under 30 who are are entering the field – 70, 80% of them have had experience in one or the other of the Mm -hmm. community mediums. So it's pretty clear that we are the the primary training ground, but it's not something that that, uh, can always be accepted publicly. If I was the Australian Film, Television and Radio School or the VCA when it had a separate film school Mm -hmm. um, or one of those bodies... Um, it'd be, uh, it could be a bit of a problem because uh, there is some evidence that there's a gap and if you talk to the sort of people who run TAFE and all that sort of thing, there's some evidence that there's a gap between graduates and the employment. In radio and television, like music, uh, you, you get the job if you can do. Show me the credit. Show me your stuff you've done. Let me listen to it rather than show me a piece of paper. That means nothing. Yep. Well, it might mean you get an interview if you've also got uh, the experience. So... You need the schools, clearly, because there's lots of people in community uh, television and, I presume, radio who could do with a lot more training to, get to, you know, to do it better. But you also need the experience. And I think um, <clears throat> what's needed is a bit of a sort of stepping back by all the different uh, areas involved in training and government policy, the broadcasters themselves in the community sector, and just look at the real relationship between the industry, training, in the community sector and actually work out a system that acknowledges that in some small way, funds it, so that we can just make this thing work a little better and we can allow people those opportunities to learn this stuff if that's what they want to do and let the creative ones grow rather than having it a bit hit or miss.
1: I suspect that there's a distinction between practitioners, producers, writers, presenters, and the middle management who are actually making the decisions. I don't think that they necessarily come from any particular media background. I think they're, they're more bean-counter types. That, that's just the feeling that I have, and maybe why... Middle management where? Middle management at, at commercial radio or TV. Yeah. Um, and and that's, they are the people that make the decisions and, and would lend the support if uh, it was forthcoming, but they don't have the experience.
4: And look, I think the commercials are just really happy to have a stream of people coming who've got credit, who can show them their work, who've been tra- trained especially in, in live presentation... Very few people do that now. So you get people from, especially RMI TV, who do the most live programming of any of the um, uh, members on on Channel 31. They they
0: do have a good studio. They
4: they do have access to the studios. And and Sin, who did the uh, 435 youth show for a long time in the small studios at at 31. That's invaluable experience. Mm. I know that lots of people from Sky TV, for instance, have gone to the 7.30 report. I know lots of people from Channel 31 are now employed across the range of stations, 10, 9, 7, everyone always mentions Rove and Hamish and Andy. That's like a drop in a big, big lake when you look at the technical staff, the crews, etc., the realities of television, the people who actually make it rather than just appear on it. Yeah. And I, I always think, well, hang on a second, you guys work in the industry and we're always talking about the presenters. It takes a hell of a lot more than presenters. <laughs> what about the producers who have these great ideas? Um, I will just add to that, though. It can go both ways. There's a couple of shows on 31 Melbourne that have, have gone over to SBS, for instance, and offered another contract and go, no, thanks. Vasily. silly. Yeah, well, that's one example that went to SBS and came back. I mm-hmm. don't know the details of, of uh, what happened there. Blokes World? Yeah. They're on
0: cable now, aren't they? They went to 10 and then went to cable,
1: I think. Yeah, but yeah.
4: they still... I saw a Blokes World special on 31 the other week when I turned on. I was a bit surprised because I'm not mm-hmm. that blokey, but it was actually a pretty good show.
1: Um, it's the pole dancing, isn't it? Well,
4: they didn't even—they <laughs> didn't have any pole dancing, Brett. You know, they just had to enjoy yeah, the that, other that's, stuff. That's Salam Cafe. Oh, that's the, uh, the pole dancing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you get it mixed up all the time.
4: So, uh, I think it's pretty clear that you know you're running a commercial operation. You're not going to sort of uh, problematise things by saying, "Oh, yes, we should be paying for this free training we're getting now." Well, come on, they're running a commercial operation. But um, the the sort of recognition is there in the employment. Why would anyone go to community television? Because if you're doing television, it's extremely different from filmmaking. We're talking an industrial machine, whether it's community or not, especially if you do week in, week out a show. You guys know what it's like. People in radio know what it's like. It's pretty demanding. Mm. You have to love it to want to do it, whether you're paid or not. Um, In community television, I think some of the reasons some of them come back is because they love it so much and they'd rather have the control than be paid because it is something then that they have an authorship of, something they own rather than just becoming a little paid worker for some large corporation. So it does go both ways. I think uh, uh, the ABC, I think uh, generally the staff there are pretty appreciative and acknowledging. They don't have any big arguments and try and, you know, cut us down to make them look more professional. I think the ABC appreciates, in general the people I've met, appreciate the the uh, trained people and, and there's a great, uh, you know, you get people come back from the ABC to community radio, for instance, and it just means that the whole thing's healthier and it's sort of cross-migration that makes the programming better in both sectors. Yeah, what, but what, the
1: people at the ABC seem to be less jealous of, of uh, non-commercial, yeah. other non-commercial bodies. Yeah. Just lastly, Peter, what, what can people at home do to
0: try to get uh, community television included in the spectrum?
4: You can contact... uh, In Melbourne here, you can contact... Oh, this is on the web, isn't it? So you can contact your community television station. If you don't know how to get it or or, or you haven't received it, go to the... I think you would probably get them through the uh, CBAA website, would have some sort of link, or go to Channel 31 Melbourne uh, and they'd be able to direct you. They have a current campaign um, where they're trying to convince the government to do so. Probably... With the watermark of uh, Fair Go Kev. Of Fair Go Kev. Probably the best thing you can do is to seriously approach your local member, as always, and as a, uh, as a voter, say, look, what's wrong here? Do you realise what community television does? Do you realise that my community is supported by it? We value it, and it's part of our life, and we care about it. I think that's possibly the best thing to do. But contact your local station, and they'll no doubt have their own campaign strategy. Get involved in that. Start making a noise. We've so, been quiet and compliant now for, you know, 12 <laughs> years and 18 months into the Labor government. I believe they want a solution, but we have to let them know that it matters to people. So yeah. as it stands right
2: now, we're doing like 2013,
1: last one out, turn off the lights. Is that basically yep. where we're going? That's the current government timetable, yeah. It's, it's so much. And uh, c31.org.au, there's a link on the front page there, uh, if you're online looking at it. All right, well, uh, Peter Lane, I'm a little bit depressed, but,
0: uh, but also, you know, hopeful. Depressed but hopeful. Thanks for joining us on Box Cutters.
1: Thanks. Hi, I'm Tim Ferguson, and I listen, they listen, and you should listen to Box Cutters. They're sharp, they're small, and you can take over your own jumbo jet with them. Box Cutters. On a remote island. The most vicious form of illegal entertainment... Give me 182 feet. Is about to go online. These contestants were already dead. Each was on death row. After 30 hours, I'll set the last one left alive, free. The players. The ruthless killers. Boom. The game.
2: Game on. That's light and fluffy. That's the uh, trailer, part of the trailer for The Condemned, a 2007 film, which I suspect by playing that we've just doubled the amount of people who've ever heard of it. Um, uh, have you just ever, for us in the studio <laughs> <laughs> so, have, have any of you guys ever heard of this movie? N- no, but no. It,
0: um, it, it starred uh, Vinnie
2: Jones it and did. Australia's own Melanie Weston And Madeline West as well from Neighbours So, so yeah. yeah, Melanie Weston Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and also there's actually a few other Australian names down the bottom there um, And of course it was a, a vehicle for Stone Cold Steve Austin, the wrestler Oh, Stone Cold uh, so, they're both shot in Queensland 2007. The reason I wanted to play that, because it's a perfect example of what we're going to talk about, which is uh, sort of TV shows that kill. That one, obviously, a bit more contemporary. It's online, they say. Movie. But it's still... Well, movies, television... We, we got a few uh, ladies in after we talked to Mark Finnell about how film CTV, uh, pointing out that we hadn't talked about Series 7 The Contenders. We didn't talk about The Running Man. Now, these are both films in which there are lethal game shows. So, I thought we'd do a very sort of brief overview... Of the lethal game show genre Because there's a surprising amount of it Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, It breaks down Into three basic types Of of your kind of lethal game show You've got your basic killer game show uh, sometimes it's gladiator style. Sometimes it's more kind of mundane quiz-based. Um, but the idea is that losers will die. So examples are, of course, The Running Man, which is a lot like Gladiators, but, uh, you know, with spikier things. Death. Uh, the recent Actually, Doctor Who has done both in, in, in old school and new school Doctor Who. We had uh, Vengeance of Virus uh, in the Colin Maker years. And recently the Bad Wolf episode had uh, uh, Rose and the Doctor and people being in uh, Lethal Big Brother, uh, Weakest Link, and What Not to Wear. Mm. Uh, with killer robots uh, Sliders did one Now there's, there's another Variation on that Of course there's The reality show In which the uh, the victims Are allowed to kind of Roam freely But do have to kill people Or get killed um, Which Series 7 The Contenders Falls into that uh, The 10th victim The uh, Italian film From the 60s Year of the Sex Olympics And then you've got yeah, Your death sports Obviously You've got your, uh, your Rollerball Your Death mm. Race 2000 Which are mm. uh, Televised sports In which You know People can die Yep uh, and so, with all of these, the idea is that there is an audience. Um, they are televised. The audience sits at home, and uh, and so there is a kind of satirical point to be made about who's really the murderer here. Who's the murderer? Is it you, Josh? Perhaps it's you. No, 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 no. It's not me. I was uh, I was at home. Oh, okay. In that case, it must be. A, I think wasn't David Carradine in, in Death Race Two Thousand? Uh, I think he was. As Dr. Frankenstein, or something along. I, th- those lines? I think he was in Death Race Two Thousand. Um, so it's funny because they, they often try and sort of put this point in about, oh, yes, it's bad that people watch violence while showing you gratuitous violence. Um, They're the kind of fluid definitions. Uh, things do move between them. The Running Man actually started off as a, as a, in the novel form, the Richard Bachman novel, slash Stephen King. It was actually a reality type show. For the film, it became more of a gladiator's game show because of the reality TV thing. Yes. Not so familiar. No, at that point, but um, you do find that yeah, uh, the things that do show up in a lot of them is often it's set in the very near future. Uh, often it's a bread and circuses thing to try and keep the the general population under control through uh, playing violence, and uh, yeah, and often it's it's that complicity is part of the story that's raised at the beginning and then ignored as it goes on towards the end.
0: And, and we have seen this also with uh, with the web. There was a, a film called My Little Eye. Uh, which was uh, about uh, you know, people basically paying
2: for murder porn. There, there recently have been quite a few of, the, sort of yeah, the, the technological side, so it's gone more to watching webcams in which people will die for mm-hmm. your entertainment. But, yeah, still the same general theory. The funny thing about this is it goes back a lot longer than you would think because um, uh, actually, Chuck Barris, who created the, the Gong Show, yes, he's got a, a, a phrase he loves to use, uh, quite, it's quoted quite a lot from him, saying the ultimate game show would be one where the losing contestant was killed. And he's also written a novel about that as well. Uh, bless him. Uh, but it, going back to even the 1950s, there are short stories. Uh, Richard... Sorry, Robert Sh- um, Sheckley, I think it is. He wrote two short stories that got turned into into films later on about uh, deadly game shows. And he wrote those in the 50s. So even Well, the, the, the Warner Brothers cartoons used to have... Uh uh, Daffy Duck uh, either
0: as uh, as w- w- Daffy Duck as host Porky Pig as the contestant on a radio show where the contestant was supposed to be you know, hit on the head with anvils and things like that and well, of course it it would end up being Daffy was hit on the head and, and it's, it's
2: kind of interesting that yeah, even in the 50s you know, and then yeah. 60s with Chuck Paris that even at that point they were all saying oh where's TV going to go, where's it going to end where's this competition going to go, it's obviously death and just the idea that even at that early stage of TV's Life, people already mistrusted it to that degree, yeah. You know, to expect that would be where we were going. Um, one of the ones I wanted to to mention because no one has sort of mentioned this much is uh, a thing called The Year of the Sex Olympics, which comes from 1968 and was written by Nigel Neal. Now, Nigel Neal was the creator of Quatermass, which uh was the first kind of science fiction blockbuster, Mm -hmm. and it has it has massively affected science fiction for years to come. Everything from Doctor Who to the X-Files has, has had elements of quite a mass in it. In 1968, he wrote this thing called the Year of the Sex Olympics, which was certainly the near future. Nigel Neal was a bit of a miserable man. He hated virtually everything. Mm-hmm. He hated pop culture. He hated television. And So like Brett. He's a bit like Brett. Yeah. 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 And so Year uh, of the Sex Olympics I'm not sure about that. <laughs> was based on the idea that in the future, everyone would sit at home watching rather than doing. And... And porn was the big thing. So porn was on all the time. And everyone just sat around watching porn rather than having sex. So Take me to this future. Well, it was, it was meant to be like you know the way you watch cooking shows, but you never actually cook. Uh, that oh, was, yeah, that yeah. was the idea. So to stop people breeding, because there were too many people, you played the porn all the time. But people were getting bored of porn, so they had to come up with a, a new thing. And what they came up with was a show called the, Li- the Live Life Show. And in The Live Life Show, a family was put on an island and just filmed as they went around their everyday lives. So, basically, in 1968... What, what a dark vision of the future. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know, in 1968, Nigel Neal invented Survivor. But, um, the, or, or Sylvania Waters. Or Sylvania Waters. I mean, the hilarious thing is, though, that in the show, they realise that's too boring to just watch people doing stuff. And you're going, well, actually, now they just... That's, yeah, that's what you do. You just watch them doing stuff. Yeah. Um, because in the live, live show, they then put a psychopath on the island as well, who, of course, kills everyone. and the, Which then was a Simpsons episode. And the audience at home laughs uproariously. It is... It's quite a bleak show to watch uh, It is on DVD Curiously uh, When it was made BBC2 was the only station in colour In the UK So it was made in The most horrendously lurid colour That copy was lost As things were So it's only available in black and white But uh, on the DVD You know, at the end of watching This quite harrowing black and white thing You get these pictures of like Oh my god That's just yeah, Retina burning Kind of costumes. Um, and then around the same time to uh, The Tenth Victim, which is, this is based on one of the Robert Sheckley uh, stories, The Seventh Victim, Three More Victims because it's a movie. Uh, which you, you've, you've got to make it go for ninety minutes. Yeah, ninety minutes. I think it's actually just because it, it's an Italian movie, and uh, uh, "Vittima" "The uh, cima La, La, La Vittima" just sounds kind of catchier. Oh, yeah, got Ursula Andress in it, um, who has a brow that does shoot bullets. It's got Marcello Mastrioni It used to turn up a lot in SBS. <laughs> Sadly, I think they haven't played it for a while. But again, that's that's dating back to the the mid '60s, saying, "Oh, TV, where's it all going to end?". Now and what about uh Series 7 the Contender? Now sir- uh, we
0: we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago when-
2: Well, Series 7 was interesting because people were saying, you know, that he predated the uh, the reality sort of game show. Except of course that you know, it's interesting things like The 10th Victim were doing much the same thing year 6 Olympics, you know, mm. sort of 30 years before. But um Series 7 came out in 2000 and shuffles paper. 2? Uh around that year. I'm going. I'm, look, I'm going with it. 2002. Why sure. Not? Why not? Um, and it was directed by a man who had actually been working on reality TV. I believe he was working on Cops or something similar at the time, one of those real cops ones. So he went oh, for the idea of 2001. 2001. So he went with the idea of, of doing this, you know, game show where people chosen by random lottery have to hunt each other down. It is an amazing piece of work. Have you have you seen
1: it, Brett? Zero seven. Yeah, yeah and uh, got, actually got to meet Daniel Minahan. Uh, on its release here. Oh, excellent. Because it's, yeah,
2: yeah I, I'm not sure what, actually what he's done since then, but this is a, such a strong piece and it looks exactly real. Directed
1: an episode of Life on Mars. Oh,
2: there you go. Um, Swing Town, Grey's Anatomy, oh, John he, from Cincinnati, there you go, Big so Love. He's got Italian, really? obviously. Black Donnelly's, Deadwood, Commander in Chief. <laughs> But it's yeah, Look, it's a really strong piece. It's done exactly as if it is a TV show. I remember seeing it in the cinema, and at one point I was waiting for an ad break so I could go to the toilet. And then realised, oh, it's not real. It's not telly. It's actually a film. And the the one thing that's been really interesting is that um, you've got these people. They've all been carefully cast. You know, the 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 our, our lead is a pregnant woman who's hoping to, she'll be able to get off the program if she you know wins this round. It's it is series seven of a show that's been going for a while, so it has occasional flashbacks to previously on, and. There's a a fascinating um, alternate ending on the DVD. So, not the ending that's in the film, but in the. um, And I believe this was the original ending, was that, in fact, the characters decide to gang together, some of them, to try and survive at the end, which so infuriates the audience that they basically kick them to death. For what is already a very bleak Bleak. film, there is an astonishingly bleak alternate uh, take on it on the DVD, which is quite fascinating and. And kind of saying, and, and it's one of the only works that does look at that complicity of the audience. The others kind of, you know, hint at it but don't really do anything.
0: Do, do any of these shows deal with it in a in a humorous manner, like well, the Warner Brothers cartoons that I mentioned earlier?
2: Well, actually, oddly enough, they do. This is the thing, because I was just saying the the, the pre dating of of the Killer Game Show is also um, the most dangerous game, which is a, a film from nineteen. I want to say thirty two. Uh, the most dangerous game is man. The, the, and basically that was, um, that was made as a, a serious thriller uh, in 1932. Yes, sorry, does Joel McRae and Faye, Way, Faye Ray and that. Based on a short story from 1924. But a big game hunter who kills humans for sport, which was a massive hit and it still gets copied now uh, an episode of Dollhouse, mm-hmm. we looked at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically that kind of... The, the life of Hunter S. Thompson. And, yeah. also, uh, and also an episode yeah. of uh, The Simpsons. So it interesting, My most dangerous game was intended as a really serious dramatic thriller. That then kind of led to the satirical comments about television in, in these sort of shows. But the idea of the killer game show, you know, now is so familiar that it's only really used for comedy. So even the Doctor Who story, which, which was quite late coming to the, to the game, basically played it for laughs. And it's now so familiar that even things like the Human Giant did a parody with uh, Cliff Tarpy, who's their rogue astronaut character. Um, this is a little bit from a sketch they did. If we can just play this to you. In space,
1: no one can hear you scream.
3: Until now, live from the moon, it's Lunatic! Sponsored by Quizzo! Each week, real astronauts kidnap civilians and hunt them down on the moon till they
2: all die. <laughs> Featuring G4! Cannonball!
4: And starring me, Cliff Tarpey!
3: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's me,
4: Cliff Tarpey! i love exploring space. I live to kick ass on the moon.
3: Yesterday, we
2: kidnapped and chloroform three unsuspecting civilians from Earth.
1: Four dumb bastards. We then shoved them into a space shuttle and launched them to the moon against their will.
4: Say goodbye to planet Earth, ladies. You will never return. Now, let's meet one of tonight's contestants. He's a school teacher from Rockville Center, Long Island, and he's gonna die on the moon. Please welcome Elliot Lipsy. Elliot,
0: you're on the moon. Do you know why? No, no, I don't know why. We're playing a game on
2: TV. What kind of bastard f- <laughs> f- <action> are you? <laughs> so, that, that's a bit of the human giant. Um. Uh, that's much better. It's just fascinating that it's become so <laughs> understandable now that you can even end up with that very strange... Well, we've got a gastro character. What will he do? He'll do a killer game show on the moon. <laughs> Call it Lunatics. Lunatics. And it's sponsored by Quiz World. Um <laughs> And there's also a lovely quote here from uh, the character of Rocco on Nick Toon's Attack of the Toy Bots, just to, to close off with your... This is a mm. recent animation in which he gets to say, Wow, we're on television. It's a dream come true, except for the life-threatening situation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So many many killer game shows you you can enjoy. Um, Series 7 the Contenders, The Running Man definitely and uh, yeah go googling for for Lunatics. It's it's well worth a look.
3: If you watch one thing-
0: Ah, uh, if you watch One Thing... The, the, Sorry, the, the theme, theme tune still freaks me out. The theme that freaks John out every week. It does. It's two weeks in a row.
2: Every week. John, let's start with you. If you were going to watch One Thing this well, week, what would it be? Last week we said that it was quite hard to find something. It was. This week, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a child at a bull shop. Um, I have many things to go through I was tempted to say the two part documentary About car bombs The history of car bombs that SBS is running Because that is just astonishing that it exists Mm -hmm. But um, I'm probably And the repeat of Who Do You Think You Are The episode about Stephen Fry Which Mm -hmm. is on SBS But I'm going to go with ABC2 on Friday the 12th Uh, showing Jarvis Cocker performing on Songbook followed by a concert by Goldfrap because I'm old. (laughs) Well, you are are so mid-90s. I am so (laughs) mid-90s. I
0: am. Brett, if you were going to watch one thing...
1: Well, I was uh, quite uh, taken by Extreme Sport Paintball Beyond the Paint, which is coming up on (laughs) Channel 10's 1 Sports Channel uh, 11.05 tonight, that's Monday night. Uh, the little blurb here, the day-to-day lives of paintball heroes like JC Whittington and Wayne Davis are showing they really exactly why heroes, they're though? the champions they are and what their lives are like off the field. I don't uh, think they're heroes, but I think they're just men. No, no they're paintball heroes. Okay. Though. Uh, but then I saw the t- uh, slam balls on free to Wear. Oh, slam balls amazing. awesome. Uh, that's on uh, again, Channel 1, uh, 9.30 on Thursday night. Are you aware of slam ball, John? I'm not. It's basketball with trampolines, <laughs> well,
2: yeah. Okay, I'm there now. That's
1: yeah. That's really all you need to know. That's that's uh, almost better than your sharks buying horses idea. From <laughs> nearly oh, yeah. sharks nearly. buying horses. What did you watch last week's
0: episode? I, I did. It but was it's been predictable down there. I think. Genius uh, If I was going to watch one thing, it, it was going to be 8:30 on SBS Two on Sunday night. SBS Two uh, are re-showing Spiral, the excellent French, uh, French kind of cop lawyer thriller. yeah uh, yeah, where well, Thank you. Uh, it was it, it was excellent first time around, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be just as good second time around. So if you've got the SBS two, you might want to look at that. But I think we've got someone on the phone who thinks that if you were going to watch one thing at 8:30 p.m. on Sunday night, it, it would be something else. Sue Taylor, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. Yes, I would definitely be watching something completely different to what you guys have been talking about. I'd be watching Three Acts of Murder Right Which is uh, on the ABC on Sunday, 14th of June uh, About 8.30 I think
0: it is Okay, so welcome to uh, Box Cutters, Sue Taylor Producer of Three Acts of Murder <laughs>
3: Oh yes, I'd be watching it even if I wasn't the producer
2: <laughs> we, we have to mention that or else Media Watch will get angry with <laughs> yeah, yeah, it Yeah, yeah, they'll get conflict <laughs> of well. interest I do have a
3: slight vested interest But, um, <laughs> but every now and again I try and be really objective about these sorts of things And I'd still be watching it no.
2: so, so Sue, what, what is it? What's it about Three Acts of Murder?
3: Well, it's uh, based on a true story about um, Australia's probably renowned crime writer called Arthur Upfield. Arthur Upfield was the, was the uh, writer who created the Boney character. Oh. So those old people amongst us should know about the Boney series that were based on his books that were sort of set in the late 20s and early 30s and, and actually, into the 40s and 50s actually. And
0: Stud Cameron Ditto and, and Cameron Aaron Pedersen. And Stud Cameron was one
3: of many, yes. And mm. um, yes. Uh, but actually, before he was well-known, he actually um, came across uh, a character in, in, in his um, design to come up with the idea for a perfect murder, uh, and he used to talk about how would you do it, and he decided that he would um, basically, well, the, best, the only way he can come up with a perfect murder is actually to have no body, so he used to talk about this idea with people when he worked out on a rubber-proof fence. He was a... He was a, um, a boundary rider. He used to fix the, the rabbit-proof fence. And one one of the times when he was talking to a character called Snowy Rolls, um, he said, came up with this brilliant idea that um, you would you would destroy this um, body through burning. And Snowy Rolls then went out and actually carried out the murders um, and did and actually murdered three men, and then was ultimately uh, convicted.
0: And, um, and hanged, wasn't he? And hanged, yes,
3: yeah, he so, was.
0: So now well, that we know the end of the story...
3: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yes, I know, but uh, presumably you're going to pay this interview afterwards. No, no, we do know the end of the story, yes. Yeah, we, but, the, but the story's not really about that. The story is really about the responsibility, I suppose, of the creator when you come up with um, stories revolving around crime, that Upfield himself became famous as a result of this, uh, this, this particular event.
2: It's quite an amazing story that involves sort of yeah, fame and, and, a, and a classic Australian you know, mm. character and, and murder and, and yeah, crime. It's all there together. Is this a, a terribly well-known story? I mean, how did you first hear about it?
3: not well-known as far as I know. No, it was actually um, told to me originally by um, a director called James Bogle who um, told me the story really because it happened on his, on his family property. His grandfather's one of the characters oh, in wow. the story. Um, and, uh, and so it's sort of got sort of... Um, family look you know folklore around it really um and then the more i sort of found out about it the more i was really intrigued and i was actually particularly intrigued i suppose because there's so much so much crime uh on on in film and books and television at the moment and i was just sort of fascinated as to where this kind of rise in in crime fiction and and seeing whether or not we should be looking at it with a little bit more context and this story kind of fitted in
0: with something I really wanted to say, I suppose. Now, th- this has uh, been written by Ian David, who mm. uh, who also wrote Blue Murder. Yes. Uh, and Underbelly next year are going to be covering off on the Blue Murder years.
3: Yes.
0: Uh, essentially. Do you think the year after that, Underbelly are going to be doing uh, 1920s crime? <laughs>
3: Well, I think nineteen twenty crime is is, uh, is quite an intriguing time, really. Huh? I, I would watch I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. you'd watch that. I would. I would. Early 1920s? That, I, I the early nineteen twenties.
0: Although that's also the. Did they have tits then, Sue? Because clearly,
2: uh-huh. that's that's what's required. Well, <laughs>
3: well the fran- well, the
2: Fisher novels also well, cover
0: actually, that. Some actually,
3: period. I think if you tu- if you tune in or when when you tune in, because I'm su- I'm certain in in reality you are, this is the one that you are really going to watch. Yeah. You may well find you may well find that um, one of the female characters does reveal something. Like ah. That. Uh uh-huh. yeah, no yeah, that's Rose a reason was, to was was not it, watch was it, SBS. Snowy rolls is a bit of a womanizer, you see. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and actually, our, our, the character uh, play, Sarah Corbett, who's played by Emma Booth, um, yes, actually might reveal more than you're expecting.
0: The, uh, the, the firstly, I, I'm just fascinated by the idea that a, a man's name really was Snowy Rolls. <laughs> I think that's, that's that's amazing in itself.
3: But it's, I, actually, it's actually a real name, by the way. was was, was John Smith. And
0: he, changed it. he changed it to snowy rolls. Yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. Now, see, more and more, I want to watch this show. Do you? Oh,
3: good, <laughs> it's working then. Yeah. The
0: uh, the thing that got me uh, to, to know about the show, though, is I, I don't really watch ads. I, you know, I, I tape everything on my PVR, and uh, and that starts recording at the start of a show, so I don't really get to see any of the promos on on ABC. Mm. I found out via Twitter that it was going to be on. Uh, oh, right. And then, since then, I've also seen that uh, you've got uh, you've got behind-the-scenes documentaries, and you've you've also got uh, the, uh, the the promo ad itself up on YouTube. Yep. How important is uh, using the, the the web and mm. all this new media for promoting a, a television show these days?
3: Well, I think it's it's particularly important in something like this one because um, I think the sort of conventional um, ABC audience, I suppose, on a Sunday night is um, probably a much older audience um, than I actually think this film is just targeting. It's actually targeting a young audience as well. Um, I think sort of tonally and stylistically it taps into... Uh, films like you know, No Country for Old Man and There Will Be Blood, and those sorts of films, which I think um, is going to attract a younger audience, but isn't necessarily going to work uh, on, on the kind of promos of people who are watching the, the ABC generally. So we were very conscious about wanting to sort of step outside the conventional publicity machine just to draw, draw people's attention to it and it's, it's on iview for 30 days afterwards anyway oh, th- uh, 30 days? I thought that was yeah.
2: interesting because the ABC publicity uh, material actually specifies that, that it will be on iview so they're actually pushing that as well going,
3: yes. you know, you yeah. can watch it after You can watch it after, that's right, yeah I mean, cause I, I mean a lot of people that, of the younger audience probably are not going to be sitting in the ABC watching it on a Sunday night at 8.30 even though it is the one to watch <laughs> um, but, um, but they may well sort of get to hear about it and watch it through iview um, and that's what my hope is.
2: Now, I've got a question as well, just to just confirm for me. Um, mm. The ABC recently have been doing a lot of ads for things that appear to be dramas and then turn out to actually be documentaries. Mm. Um, can you assure me this is a drama and won't just have a wall-to-wall voiceover <laughs> and cutaways <laughs> to Harold Holt's son?
3: No, this is actually a full drama. It is all the way through. It is a drama. There is, it, there is a little bit of voiceover. But oh, that, <laughs> oh <laughs> you're wait, so wait, close. Wait, wait, Don't, don't go. The, voiceover, <laughs> the only voiceover is there is actually words that were written from the books. <laughs> that he wrote he wrote a book called The Fans of Windy which is which is the book he was trying to create and those because the book itself was ultimately used by the by the detective to find the answers to some <laughs> of the so, so there are little elements that are that are, are his writing of that book
2: so no historian's going to walk through and go. Snowy knew he was onto the right track.
3: Because yeah. <laughs> right. is... I know. if only more policemen was, were, were, was, had so much good fortune.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah. this is my uh, my my big issue with a lot of Australian television drama is is uh, you know Underbelly mm. is is a, a huge culprit in this. There is no need for a voiceover in so many of them, yet mm. there is a voiceover in so yeah. many of them. W- why is that? <laughs>
3: Well, I think it's to tell people what they already know sometimes. It's a bit frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes we're kind of forced to go down that path a little bit because people worry that, you know, that audiences don't like complexity and don't like to work things out for themselves. But I can assure you the voiceover used in this is not actually telling you anything more than actually the words that he's trying to create when he's writing the book.
0: Okay. Well, see, They're so... actually
3: taken from the book.
0: That That actually makes sense
3: yes. <laughs> <laughs> because his his journey through the through the first third of the of the film is trying to write this book, you know so but it's not it's not voice over as in telling you what happened what's about to happen or what you know what <laughs> what did happen or let's go and look at it all over again, yeah.
0: And how long does it take you to uh, to produce a, a work like this? I mean, obviously, the the idea of having a telemovie movie mm. these days is uh, you know it, it, it seems a little bit dated, and so you, you would need a really exciting story and and probably throw a lot of money at it. How do you go through that entire
2: process? Uh,
3: well, this particular one, I suppose, we it's taken about two years, I guess, from when I first. Pitched it to the ABC. That's
2: remarkably quick, isn't it, for a project? Fairly quick,
3: yeah, fairly quick, yeah. But um, yeah, I think it was about two years ago, um, and then it, and then the actual from the the time when we actually get it um, get it financed, then it's usually about you know nine months ultimately before it actually goes to air. We actually shot this a year ago. Actually, we shot it in May of last year.
0: And uh, and so. It it goes to air on the ABC mm-hmm. uh, and then gets sold to other markets.
3: Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have international distributors who um, in the UK and then they sell it to the rest of the world. And and what is is it- hopes? And is it, being,
0: uh, is it being sold as a telemovie, or yes. is there, so that it won't be in theatres anymore? Anyway?
3: No, no, uh, rather, rather tragically, um, some, one, of, one of the um, theatrical distributors was, was quite keen on, on doing a distribution when they saw it, um, but it wasn't really able to, it was, it was just too difficult to, to change the seal structure at such a, a late stage. But it would have been good. Oh, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm a great believer in, 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 in having simultaneous release. You know, you can do a theatrical and also television, but unfortunately, a lot of people think that it it, it restricts the market for each of them, whereas I actually think it expands the market for each of them. But
0: this uh, is because this is a, a huge problem with, with television. I'm just going to, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to be my agony aunt now. Oh no, isn't? okay, okay. Uh, a, a huge problem with uh, with television and film uh, short sightedness is that they don't understand people want to watch. The way yep. that they want to watch that that uh, viewers won't be dictated to anymore. Mm. Uh, the ABC clearly understands that iView I think is a is, is an excellent product, and I, I use it quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to know that iView will be uh, the uh, Three x of Murder will be available on on iView. Uh, but you know, I don't. I also don't always want to sit down at my computer for ninety minutes. to... <laughs>
3: No, I mean I, I think the I mean I think there's a, a, a really um, fragmentation in the marketplace now. And as you say, people want to watch it when they want to watch it. I can remember when my when I when my children were young, I didn't go to the movies probably between the age of 25 and and 35 almost because it was just too hard to get out. It would have been great to have been able to have movies immediately. at... You know, on DVDs or something like that. I wasn't not going to movies because I didn't want to go, but just I just couldn't get the time. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true now across all sorts of fields, um, where audiences want have other things to do, but want to have the freedom to watch things when they want. And there's no reason why you can't have something that should couldn't be on on free to wear, pay TV, DVD, theatrical, and the like. You know, um, people want to see things in different circumstances. And I think one feeds off the other. In fact, there's a great example of that with Underbelly. In fact, all of those DVDs that were sold in Victoria before it was screened in Victoria, you know, demonstrates that.
0: Well, yes, yes. And just one one last question mm. uh, to, to kind of calm the cynic in me. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the in the past few years, when we have seen telemovies in, in Australia, they were either part of a series of telemovies... Yeah. Uh, like blackjack, yeah. Uh, or they were backdoor pilots. Mm. Are we going to see a three acts of murder series?
3: I can't see how that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> As you say, you know the ending, yeah.
0: So, so this is this is actually telemovie movie for telemovie's movie's sake. It's it's actually yeah, it's a you,
3: genuine movie. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's a genuine movie on television. Yes,
0: that, that's that's excited. That that has excited <laughs> me a, a lot. I okay. say. Take right. Spiral, <laughs> watch Three Acts of Murder.
3: I'm actually doing, my next film is I'm doing a co-production with France, actually, so I'm very pleased to see you watching a bit of French cinema.
0: Oh, well, well good. Good. Well, we look forward to that, too. Okay. So, Taylor, thanks so much for joining us on Box Cutters.
3: An absolute pleasure. Thanks.
0: Okay, question three.
3: Which canal... Are I... all these going to be about war? No. I've got loads of... I've got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Box Got
0: it. Congratulations to Facebook user who won last week's quiz question. The answer was Hooray! Sir Eric Pierce. He was the Channel Nine Melbourne newsreader for about twenty years. Twenty thousand years, I think. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 like yeah. Became, yeah. Became a knight of the
2: realm. I still argue a very Melbourne-centric question. Sure, not my question. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent question. I'm not, I'm not judging that. I thought it would
1: be tougher, actually.
2: It's, it's, it's,
0: it was pretty tough. Anyway, congratulations, Facebook user. You'll be getting the wonderful camouflage Crumpler bag. This week's quiz is uh, the winner can get a, uh, a thirsty owl, a black thirsty owl black from thirsty Crumpler, owl. who give us things to give to you. You can find them on the web at crumpler.com.au. You must tell us. The name of the show that this piece of music is the theme for. genuinely great. Theme. Song. It really is. Look, look at me. I'm wearing a mini skirt and fake
2: eyelashes. Yeah. Look at you. You look like Barbara Eden. Which is weird, because
1: I do. I know. Do-do-do-do. I oh. think there might be a little bit of a click from a scratch CD.
2: Oh no no! I think that's a Telex machine.
1: Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Sure.
0: sure, it could be a scratched CD. This is a show from very long ago, Brett. So yes.
1: you know,
2: a CD from that long
0: ago oh, would definitely it be, be so scratched. scratched.
1: Even yeah. if you kept it in a vacuum, it would be scratched yeah. at this point. I anyway. reckon
2: that's the theme to "Sexy Girls in Hot Places." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tell us your answer uh, by sending us an email to hooray at boxcutters.net. dot net. Just to the great her. end. It is hurray at boxcutters.net or sms us 0458 cutter with your answer what is the name of the show to which that piece of music is the theme
1: hey um when i cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table
0: you know, there's so, there's so much pork that I want to get through, uh, but I'm going to put a, a bunch of it uh, up on the blog, uh, particularly the critics' best picks of TV for the last decade, according to Variety. I'll put that up on the blog.
1: Last yeah. decade. Ooh. And
0: uh, and uh, also want to say that uh, the uh, important things with Demetri Martin, which we reviewed a short while ago on this show, has been renewed for a second series on oh, really? Comedy Central. Second series of seven episodes. Uh, second series of 10 episodes So our
2: words mean nothing
1: That's huge I, I enjoyed it Didn't you enjoy it? I Didn't think it was it, alright yeah. Okay my words mean nothing yeah. But but yeah, liked, I liked, I liked episode no surprise, 3
2: You know that's it. I'd like to quickly mention Doug McLeod was a guest on the show some while back. Now,
1: thanks for that, John. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was say his uh, his new book for young adults, Siggy and Amber, came out uh, last week, and I've read it, and it's really good. So, if you're an immature adult like me, feel free to read a book for young
1: adults. I almost had a, a uh, I don't buy it this week, but I didn't get a chance to see it again. Catch the uh, some some major uh, sale for. Uh, Something over the weekend, just for the Queen's birthday weekend, opens with, hey, I'm Aaron. A little bit like the uh, easy off BAM dude, Um, but uh, talking about massive slashing of prices with uh, a hand-drawn card with with a a name of a product and $3,000 under it and somebody taking a marker and and crossing it out. But the marker was almost run out, so it wasn't actually solid I find
2: that charming the old school myself. (laughs)
1: Uh, That's
0: that's
2: got Channel 31 charm.
1: Exactly, but it was like on Channel 9. You
0: know what I don't buy? I don't buy you trying to put in a full segment into Paul. That wasn't (laughs) a segment. (laughs) That's (laughs) what (laughs) I don't don't buy. That's, That's why I didn't do it. I would like to thank Peter Lane for coming in and talking to us all about uh, Channels 31, community broadcasters on television throughout Australia and uh, what future they can or cannot look forward to. Also, thanks so much to Sue Taylor who uh, called through to tell us all about three acts of murder. Uh, You can find that on ABC1 this Sunday night.
1: Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.
0: BoxCutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find BoxCutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. I think we uh, need people to donate to the more RAM for Brett Cropley's computer. Oh yes, please.
1: Yeah, I mean. Just
2: post your RAM in. Put it in an envelope. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If you've, send if, it you've got, to if you've got 512k just sitting around, just lying around the house,
1: that would be an more than what I've
2: got so far.
0: Aww. Oh, you, yeah. Can you not kind of control the show from a Commodore 64, please, <laughs> Brett?
2: <laughs> I think that would actually be better. At least he traded in the VIC 20. At
1: least it's just peaks and pokes. We, we, One more I've still more got gun. my Big 20 Is It's you? part of my Render farm
2: Oh that's beautiful yeah. uh, Before we go uh, Running man Let's hear a bit Of the trailer mm-hmm. For it shall we Oh please
1: In the year 2017 An innocent man four years after crime TV. Has a choice Hard time mm-hmm. Or prime time Sensational Perfect contestant I want
4: him He must pay Or play The running man On your mark I'll be back The highest rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay.
3: It's a game between life and death.
2: Quite a visual film, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Quite visual. Pooh! So, so, like, seriously, just because of the popularity Boom. of it, they, they got Arnie to rip off his own Ivory Back line from Terminator.
2: Oh, I was going to ask if that was where it's from, but no, is he just, he's, he's doing himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because he, he did it uh, at the police station and then came back in with the car into the police station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Self referencing. It's <laughs> going to end up.
3: <laughs> Boom!
2: <laughs> he's
1: perfect.
3: I want him. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.